0: everyone. Welcome back to this week's Reality 2.0. I am Catherine Druckmann. I am with Doc Searles, as usual, and Petrus Katupis is joining us again today. We also have a special guest, Hadrian Sbarcia from Apache. If you are involved in Apache in any way, you probably know him. Uh, and. We're talking about a little bit of everything, so I'm not going to nail us down to a specific topic. This is a very organic conversation, and I hope you'll enjoy the ride. Before we get going, I wanted to quickly remind everyone to please go sign up for our newsletter. You can find a link on our website, reality2cast.com, and just click the newsletter or subscribe link. Thanks.
1: So, so let me jump in and say that one of the things that makes this especially interesting is that this is a Zoom call that started on another Zoom call as we came up on our time to start the show. And I said to, uh, on a on a Slack to uh, Catherine and to Petros, hey, I'm having this terribly interesting conversation with, with this guy Hadrian. I'd like to just carry this forward into the show. And and so I just wanted to say that because I just think it's an interesting thing. Um, and, and we just decided maybe revolutions of the topic here because Hadrian's been through a bunch of them and he's probably has a better understanding of revolutions than anybody I've met in part because he was there for one of the physical kind that actually ended bloody and uh, so but there there are others you've been working with Apache you've seen open source and free software so so Hadrian why don't you you just give us the, the sort of the top down on on revolutions from your perspective.
0: Just, just before we go there, okay. can I just point out that I hope mm-hmm. that this episode does not end up a little bit too prophetic, because it will come out next Friday, after Election Day. Yeah, I <laughs> thought I'd true. point that out. But yeah. yeah, no, go ahead, please. I think it might, uh, it's probably instructive. We so might all need to know how.
2: Let's start with the most recent, then, the one that's going to be next week. Uh, I think the revolution already started. Uh, who knows how so it's gonna continue next week? But I think there are profound changes in society that will lead to some change. And I have high trust in humanity. I think most of the changes are gonna be good changes. Um, but going back in time, uh, I know you alluded to the physical bloody revolution in Romania when I was in college. What do students do? They uh, uh, you know, revolt. But there was a good cause because uh, it was against the communism. And uh, uh, anyway, that was a bit of an ugly society that I'm very happy ended in Romania. Uh, that's better. But it wasn't my most interesting revolution. The most interesting revolution to me was, I believe, um, uh, what happened in the mid-late 90s uh, in the dot-com. Uh, era. And in particular, what I think had the most profound changes on the internet um, were the Apache web server and the Mosaic Netscape browser, which gave everybody the uh, power, we talked about this earlier, um, to basically publish their own data. And if you remember how the websites were looking with flashy colors and all that stuff in the mid late 90s, they were really ugly. But that led to new markets and new innovation in web frameworks, uh, dynamic websites. Um, I, I think that was the most interesting revolution that, that actually lasted probably around a decade for me between probably 98 to 2008, 2010. Um,
3: uh, by yeah, the way it moved to the
2: US in ninety seven. So
3: that's that's interesting. Um the, the you mentioned Apache. Yes, I, I I agree. It wasn't until Apache started becoming widely used and installed on cheaper commodity platforms such as Linux that 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 the internet blew up. I mean people were starting to see the internet for what it could do. And Mosaic initially laid down the foundation, but it wasn't until Mark Andreessen moved to the West. He, he I think it was a uh, university of Illinois yeah. in Champaign-Urbana. And uh, he moved out West to find his dream of a startup. And that's when Netscape was born. I think that really launched uh, alongside Apache, what, what we have today. I mean, that was a significant revolution.
1: Yeah. I mean, for, for me, it was huge. I mean, I, I... I saw the internet coming for a long time. I wanted so badly to be on it, Um, but I couldn't because it wasn't at a university or a big company. And uh, the closest I could do is like kind of tunneling in through CompuServe toward the end of its life. Uh, It became kind of its own little ISP and you could kind of like, kind of be on the internet through emulation almost on CompuServe. But then once ISPs, really real ISPs came along and I could get on and I bought my domain name, I bought com, and I, and I could, I learned HTML and I wrote some of those ugly pages. Uh, We were looking at one earlier. We were talking about LDAP, Adrian and and I, that I wrote for Linux Journal. I can't find it on the Linux Journal site because it was for a a magazine we briefly had called Websmith. And we saw the web is such a big thing that we invented Websmith as the magazine for it. But there are so many other magazines that come along for the web. Um, I don't know if those survived, but I wrote this piece about LDAP. And LDAP was a revolution in a way. Hadrian was saying earlier that when he went to Google, people asked him what his LDAP was, which is weird to me, but I can can kind of understand what that. People didn't know what it meant, but they saw that as your identity there. Do I have that right, Hadrian, what they meant by that with LDAP?
2: Yes, what I mentioned was that I, I was shocked. So I had the rental car, I went to the parking lot and there was a valet parking. And the valet asks me, what well, young guy, clearly non-technical. What's your LDAP? And I assumed he must mean something else than the LDAP I know. But no, he meant really LDAP.
1: And so, yeah, an interesting thing to me about that is that the, the piece that I wrote for Linux Journal was actually an interview with Craig Burton. Um, in And it was about Tim Howe's work. Tim Howe's invented LDAP, he came up with LDAP. And it was at a time when Microsoft very much wanted to, in Craig's terms, smoosh the entire internet into Active Directory, and what LDAP still—I mean, uh, Active Directory still succeeded in the enterprise uh, to a large degree, but but LDAP basically made that impossible and put into the into the world something that was terribly useful, you know, another protocol. And and a pro- when you have a totally useful protocol like that that costs you nothing to use, then a revolution occurs, you know. That one happened to be around directory, but 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 others can, so. I, I I want to get a little bit into what I think is the meat, what bring to you bring to the world, Hadrian. I'm, and I'm gonna, and it's not around Apache, especially though. Maybe it is in a way I don't know. So I'm gonna compress what my my partial and probably flawed understanding of some insights you have that I liked when we had an earlier conversations, which are that we t- we tend to look at the internet through. Synchronous glasses that we've learned from, the from the HTTP protocol and wanting to run everything through our kind of client server view of the web, and we've kind of explored everything we could possibly do with the web. But we need to look at asynchrony as well. We have a model for that, say with with email. Email is asynchronous, and if you look at it asynchronously, we can do a lot of other things that are around messaging. So for example, and you mentioned the US Postal Service as a model, but there are other asynchronous ways of addressing something that are substitutable. Essentially, you can use FedEx, you can use UPS, you can use something else. And I kind of want you to, if, if I'm close enough to write about that, I'd like to hear more because I think there's a space here in the asynchronous world that can have a zillion services that we can't even imagine now that maybe we can imagine one or two or three. So go for it.
2: Oh man, that's a complicated issue. I don't even know how to how to approach. But uh, how how did I end up on this uh, uh, podcast?
1: <laughs> well it's it's because I think that's an interesting point.
2: No 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 the oh, mechanics.
1: Oh. oh the mechanics slack. of it. okay oh it's a heuristic question.
2: Okay, yeah. It's slack.
1: Slack, it right. It was an
2: asynchronous conversation between uh, between you and Catherine. Ah, uh,
1: okay. That's that right. That
2: could happen and then you could plan and do other things. And to tie it to your book, it was a bit of an intent casting uh, right. asynchronously via chat room. Right, through, through got Slack. Response and something happened, yes. So I think in a way we're the victims of our own success, if you want. So uh, circling back to Netscape and Mark Andreessen and I think we got as humans so used to the idea of a browser and synchronously going to where we want to get the the data we care about and uh, going again back to the late 90s, uh, that's something we didn't talk about. Uh, one of the issues with synchronous communication is uh, address management. We talked about addresses. So how do I know the URL of the place where I need to go, right? We talked about centralization as well. So until you had Google, and which became a verb, by the way, to Google something, we had Lycos and AltaVista and all that stuff before, but you need that centralization, with need the search engine You need a discovery mechanism to figure out where you want to to be or where to uh, um, cast your intent, right? So uh, another thing that people are not aware of before. uh, So REST got, if you want, successful in a massive battle with the WS star standards, mostly a W3C and a little bit the OASIS. I I assume you know that, right? Uh,
1: yeah, I do. Um, I was hitting a mute button because there was a leaf blower outside my window. So, but yeah, so so some of the action happened in those standard. Yeah, you know, the, the Ws Star was a bunch of large companies that wanted to get together to talk to to work on yeah it was on an approach to Red. identity and standards for identity, and then the W three C did some stuff and Oasis as well with XDI and XRI, as I recall.
2: Yeah. Right. But it wasn't just identity. That's just a little bit. It was the soap and wisdom and right. in the on the co- communication side and all the ESBs at the time uh, supported starting with Sonic, Then we talked about IBM, the web sphere. So they were, the ESBs are an interesting uh, topic to talk about as well, by the way. But there was uh WSB by the way, which I'm, a uh, co-author of i was in the team that produced ws people the equivalent to w3c was ws choreography martin chapman was in, was in that so there are there were a lot of ws uh, standards not just around identity and ws was the i mean the soap whistle was the high ceremony contracts everything set in stone sort of approach coming from the enterprise. And you're right. The players were Microsoft. Uh, yeah, IBM. IBM is in WS. IBM, SAP, Fujitsu, you know, the yeah, usual suspects. Yeah, or, when, like, of course.
1: Yeah, yeah. When they, they were at this show, gave the closing keynote and I actually, you know, Sang the Darth Vader theme that dum 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 when they were coming on stage (laughs) it
2: (laughs) And to to tie into revolution, rest was kind of a revolt to that right and uh, in the language space, we saw the same thing with the uh, uh, functional programming and uh, uh, Less strict typing sort of languages like Ruby and Who's a Drupal developer here? Yeah. <laughs> <So Really? laughs> we have We have our house Drupal so, developer right so here. So it looks like everybody has uh, had his, her share of uh, revolutions here. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I wanted to say is that before this, there was another battle that took place between synchronous and asynchronous with the JMS spec uh, in the JCP son at the time. And so you, you said that uh, there might be some connection w- uh, with Apache. Yes, I'm a committer in uh, active MQ. So I'm one of the authors of active MQ and camel and a few projects there. So basically, the projects used in all the ESPs that are based on open source technologies today, like Fuse, talent and others. Um, so The enterprise actually did realize the importance of asynchronous messaging and all the large enterprises have some have business processes based on asynchronous messaging. And one of the technical problems is to managing the address space because you cannot have uh, different entities using the same address which is easy to control in the enterprise, more or less easy. You can enforce it top-down, but it's hard to do it at cloud scale. And nobody looked at this problem of addressing. And that's why I think we didn't see any innovation in that space to take the asynchronous messaging at the cloud scale because somebody would have to solve the addressing problem first. I see this as the biggest so, if you so though. That-
1: um, okay, so I'm, I'm relying on my, you know, now 20 plus year old familiarity with covering some of this stuff on the enterprise side that there, and again, this goes back to LDAP and Active Directory and the rest of it, that the problem that lots of enterprises had was m- many multiple address spaces. Here's HR, here's manufacturing, here's, here's marketing, here's customer support, and they all had... Different namespaces, no way to reconcile them. And the big talk, the whole point of WS Star and of the Liberty Alliance also, which Sun was a, that was Sun's creation, mm-hmm. that's now Cantera or it does, Cantera's descended from it. You know, the whole idea was federation. And federation was like the big term for about 10 years there in the early aughts, kind of, and uh, right roughly from the end of the dot com boom. But I but I want to go deeper into your into the addressing. I mean that inconvenienced addressing to some degree, but I, and that may have been why there wasn't much innovation there, other than some cool companies came in, peeing and others the saying, "We'll take care of federation for you," you know, "We'll we'll we'll reconcile all these battling namespaces and and have some kind of coherent outcome." But there wasn't. We're still sort of stuck with the same problem. Am, am I wrong about that? I'm, but I'm trying to get it toward where you want to go with the where messaging is going to end message the asynchronous messaging approach to things may go or could go if we get it get something together
2: uh asynchronous messaging is used we use email we use slack we yeah. use but it's not used it's used in silos yeah uh, i didn't interrupt you by the way but uh when we had the conversation about uh, Netscape and the Apache server that revolutionized the internet, we agree on that to some extent. What did we have before? You mentioned CompuServe, we had platforms. And what do we have today? Platforms and everybody rebels against them, but we don't know what to do. So what we need, I think is not something high ceremony. We need the same ad hoc innovation sort of approach of distributed Mm. technologies, kind of like the Identity Foundation does. I really hope they would coordinate their efforts a bit more and would learn more from each other and from history, because there is a lot of reusable prior art.
1: That's interesting what you said about platforms. Like we, we had a platform problem with CompuServe Prodigy and uh, the rest you know in the early 90s late 80s early 90s that in a way was solved by tcpip which actually had been around for a long time too but once isps came along in in the mid 90s plus the graphical browser plus apache really huge important innovation there i remember ibm is selling websphere for like you know a thousand dollars a seat or some crazy number like that, that and oracle to-
2: says uh, sales web logic yes
1: yeah so so there are there all these big companies selling, assuming that only big companies are going to have web servers, right? And not anybody could set up a web server and have it. And now we're on platforms again, right? And now we're now we're back to we're thinking inside the silos of Apple and Facebook and Google and the others, and only what can be done there. Am I wrong and and what you're... No, you're right, but sorry to
2: interrupt because you brought another revolution aspect to this. In 93, 94, I I worked, I was at the United Nations, by the way, working on some really cool project on OS2. Mm -hmm. And speaking of, it's not really quite platforms, but it's the same stuff. If you remember uh, the Microsoft versus IBM battle at the time when IBM bet on the enterprise and... uh, Bill Gates bet on the grandma with a personal computer at right. home. And IBM uh, had
1: microchannel and they wanted to split the, the PC world into microchannel versus whatever. the That was tied in with OS2, I think, wasn't it?
2: Right. But from an adoption, from an economic point of view, IBM bet on the enterprise and right. Bill Gates bet on the
3: consumer. And the results were not even funny for IBM. You know, the funny thing is, now that you mention that, because years ago I used to work for IBM, and to this day, to this day, they still bet on the enterprise. It's almost like they haven't learned from history and it's still business to business um, commerce. They don't deal with the end user, which is why when you look at um, IBM's uh, footprint or market share in the cloud, it pales in comparison to your Amazon to your azure to google to anything else only because they strictly focus on business to business and have always worked under that model since like you said you know since OS2 days uh, who are
2: you talking about red hat
1: no, 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 the, no. The, Just kidding. I'm, they acquired uh, Red Hat. Yes, yeah, 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 because like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> Red, Red, the Red Hat is not that small.
3: <laughs> no, I, I was there. <laughs> you were there. I was there when they acquired Red Hat. It was it was a bit of a shock for everyone.
1: Okay, so what kind of, okay, so we, you were saying that, you know, we, so we had Slack. I mean, when we were talking in Slack, we were talking inside a silo. And it's a good silo. I mean, Slack, Nobody is nobody makes a better, um, whatever that is that Slack does, what do you call that? Is it just what is Slack a breed of, Catherine? You know, is it a? It's a. It's
0: basically souped up IRC.
1: Okay, nobody does a better souped up IRC than <laughs> than than, uh, than Slack does. Um, yes, IRC. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, but but I mean, but but what IRC made possible, and I'm, we still do, we still do IRC. I do IRC every day. I mean, it's So it's not like. IRC has gone away. News groups have kind of gone away. We were talking about that earlier on another call. Uh, I think are there still news groups? I guess there's still news groups. They might still mailing be active. Lists. Mm-hmm. Mailing lists. Mailing lists are coming back, but they're all proprietary. Like you're on Substack or you're on on Mailchimp or some other thing like that. Um, you know, I, the, 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 those two are kind of siloed. But I'm, you know, where, you know, what what intrigues me here is that. I just sort of lay out my prejudices and, and I think they're typical of ones for um, geeks of the, of the Linux band and they kind of go back to the free software days, which is I, I do all my own stuff. I have my own thing. I've got my, I am the rock on which I build my life. I, I have my own web server. I have my own email server. I have my own everything. I have my own domain name. I, I am the captain of my ship and of my soul. And um, and I start there. Now I'll go ahead and use things. I'm talking to you over a Mac, right? It's not like I'm totally wedded to that, but I'm starting from that position. And part of the way I've thought about that is that all, everything should be peer to peer, right? That's sort of a, a prejudice I have. Like I, I want, to be able to deal in a peer-to-peer way with everybody else. I am no different than a big company that way. We're all on the same planet. We all use the same gravity and I should be able to, we should look first to solve everything in a peer-to-peer way. But I also... Sorry,
2: let, let me ask you
1: this. Yeah, sure.
2: Aside from the user interface, how did you know you were on Slack?
1: I probably didn't.
2: So if you had your own doc user interface for messaging, and you have some channels addresses chat rooms whatever you you call them in there and you just type and the user interface would know that this address actually maps to slack or maps to irc or whatever uh why would you care i would not i would not care the financial industry calls that single window to the world right so use a single window to talk to in the financial stuff any bank Mm -hmm. you want right so you have Yeah, And that would lead to innovation because you would use any client you want because the backend would be the same, the mediator that mediates to whatever channel you're talking about. So if we separate the two, I think we can get off the platform. It's the same duality that needed that existed between the Apache web server and the browser. You have to separate the presentation from the backend.
0: I mean, if, you know, if you strip the, the, uh, the client and the, the polish, you know, we can substitute matrix or discord. If you're a gamer or whatever, none of the rest of it really matters in terms of communication.
2: But you need a user interface like the browser that unifies in a way all the other channels. Right. So with the browser, mm-hmm. you can look at any web server on the planet. You didn't have to have a specialized GUI for each.
0: Nor should you have a specialized GUI for chat. Right. That's a whole right. other conversation. I wish Kyla were here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> the only difference it...
2: was the address.
1: R- okay. yeah. You wanna... So you're moving toward addressing here. So, so if we're routing this in some way, okay, let's say, I mean, it annoys me, for example, that I have people we, or I talk to on Telegram, on Signal, on SMS, on Facebook Messenger, um, Twitter DM there is no common inter- user interface for those. I have to mm-hmm. I have to declare the tunnel that I'm going through. We've, we have to agree on that before we go there, right? We're doing that right now with Zoom in a way. Was, yeah. hey, we're going to do this in Zoom, right? And, and we could be doing it with Microsoft Teams. We could do it with some other system. I mean, but we have to agree so, on
0: it. Yeah. We
1: have to agree on it. There's this little ceremony where we all agree on something, right? This is little, yeah. it's not negotiated. It's more or less like, I got this, it 's open. Let's just do that. But. Not only kind of fails the usability test at the front end; it does at the back end too, because there's all the if we keep a record about these, they're all stored in different places, right? That's another thing. You know, to to Zoom's credit, if there is a chat, and you click on the little file button and you save off the chat, it creates a directory on your computer and sticks it there as a te- as pure text, as a you know, no formatting or anything. So They've kind of gone to the lowest possible common denominator there, but it works. I mean, it works. And it'd be nice if the others did a similar thing and, you know, I don't know, but, but it's in a directory called Zoom, by the way. So that's, you know, but that, that just is, is something eases that eases finding it. But that, but that's part of, we still all live in the Unix directory world and we've lived there and we live there on the web as well. Right. I mean, that's, that's what the folder and a folder and a folder is. It's still a Unix path, and that's that's fine. I mean, that's a standard. It's a kind of a, a standard way of working. But I want I want to kind of go toward, and I, and I realize there's not an end state here because, unlike almost every podcast I'm on, you haven't already built something and you're not selling anything. So See, that's
3: I, that's what object storage solves, right? You know, a <laughs> whole folder and a folder and a folder. You know, it's all, uh, yeah, one flat file system with a giant hash. Uh, pointing to your object data which is exactly what the hard drive is yes it's a it's a flat
2: storage space and then directly structuring the i nodes is just the metadata exactly depends on how you look at things
1: right and it's all it i mean your drive itself is horribly fragmented right and in in ways you'll it's horrifying to even look at right i've got i'm looking over there at my backup drive it's the it's a 10 terabyte drive it's almost full what I'm sure it's just horribly fragmented in there, but somehow the directory structure manages to, un- to put, stuff, put that stuff together. It's putting Humpty together at all times, which is pretty wild. And we do that as a matter of course. So where does this go? I mean, that, that's kind of where I want to,
0: Revolution, I think. Was. Yeah, it goes <laughs> to revolution. Wasn't it revolution?
1: What I, I mean, I, I've been in a number of revolutions, and one of the problems revolutions have is imagining what's on the other side of them, right? You know, yeah. we're going to, I mean, for God's sakes, you know, both the Soviet Union and China, for the longest time, it's all like, let's keep the revolution going. It's all, I belong to the the revolutionary party of thus and such, and and it's just it's just another bureaucracy after after all is said and done with a lot yeah. of politics in it. You know, but I, I'd like us to imagine out where this goes. You know, I mean, I I did not imagine out ISPs, but ISPs are what made part of what made the web happen. I there were many web servers. I remember Apple had one. I briefly used theirs. It was done by a guy I knew. I forget his name right now, but it was their little server. But I ended up, you know, we like all of us. We just used Apache. There's Apache. It's laying around. We could just put this in here. It could, you know. As a matter of fact. Didn't didn't Linux distributions come with Apache? Some of them, I think, is part of the dist as the, as the distro. I don't remember.
2: It's the Lamp uh, distro. Yeah, Linux. Yeah, uh, it's just part of the Lamp SQL stack, right? BHP,
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. It's, well, and if it doesn't, it's easy enough to install. Well, That's the thing. So it's funny. So we. <laughs> so I'm sitting here. I'm like, oh, this is a great, you know, impromptu uh, guest, and I'm I'm kind of you know sitting here thinking like, wow, I've got an Apache committer here. What can I ask? And then I find myself struggling because to me. Uh, not to steal one of your analogies, Doc, but Apache is like gravity. It's like what, what, what should I ask him about breathing oxygen? <laughs> you know. So, so I'm in this sort of place where I, I wonder. So, like, I mean, I can't say that Apache won. It's not like there are no other there are no other competitors or whatever. But the the nature of what Apache is won and changed the world and, and whatnot. But I'm wondering. So, but like Doc says, where do we go from here? What's what's the next revolution? Like, what are we currently hashing out right now?
3: Well, and. and- I- I think the best way to to answer that question is to ask yourself, why was there a revolution in the first place you have individuals that are not happy, they're not going to stand for what others are probably accepting or complacent to and they want more. They want something different and that different could be something political. It could be something software. It could be something, you know, anywhere. So if you want to see where the next revolution is going to be, you're going to have to look out and and figure out why are we not happy and where are we not happy and what's already brewing that's going to kickstart another revolution.
2: I have a few ideas about this, but so one is a bit negative negative. What I think is different now is uh, the limited attention span. It takes time for adoption. And we have so much technology around that it's almost Mm -hmm. not worth innovating anymore because, you know, the big guys are just gonna wait you out. There's gonna be another guy in the garage innovating something, displacing you. And in the meantime, they just chug along, collect your data, sell it. Uh, I think there are two worlds going on, a very small world of, you know, innovation, which is what open source was all along, actually. I mean, it grew, but it's still not
3: significant Hmm. versus the world of the giants. Yeah. And if they don't displace you, they'll consume you and probably (laughs) get rid of you.
2: Yeah. Right. The the positive note is that, again, talking about revolutions, I had a conversation with, uh, Ward Cunningham, I think this brings really interesting memories. This conversation, I forgot about this about military strategy and the uh, how to put it the, the fight in military strategy between mobility and armor. Right, you cannot have both. Is the same between duality.
1: mobility or nobility I, and just... armor, mobility, yeah,
2: being fast and agile versus having a lot of armor.
1: An armor. Okay. Okay.
2: And in our world, I think it's between centralization and decentralization, if you want. Right. Because things start to, I mean, you, the internet was started to decentralize, to protect against damage in case of a nuclear attack, the Russians and all that stuff, right? DARPA 70s. And then you got back centralization. Then you got you got the mainframes. Then you got the PCs. Then you got centralization again in the cloud, if you want. And Ward made the analogy that this kind of sounds like uh, in military, you don't know what Mm -hmm. you want. You have you want to be lightweight, more mobility, or you know heavy and more armor. Mm -hmm. And both have their advantages, obviously.
1: Yeah, and part of it, when one is offensive and defensive, and there are probably exactly. a lot of different ways to cut out that. Um, but I think innovation yeah. will always happen, and who
2: knows what's going to get some traction. Personally, I didn't expect blockchains to get this kind of traction. Well, they still, still don't, because to me, blockchains are, technology, from a technology standpoint, a brilliant thing. It's not new, but it's brilliant. But it couldn't have been justified as a sort of a non repudiation system. So they had to cram other things into it, like blocks with financial transactions to justify and to make things even worse. The reward for the operators of the blockchain, what, uh, the, notes the miners for the miners in, in Bitcoin. Yes. Was not based on the quality of service they provide to their users, but based on mining, mm-hmm. which, created, in my opinion, a horrible ecosystem that cannot survive in this shape uh, because the incentives are not well aligned. I think there will be innovation or Facebook is another example that who knew that social media is going to grow to this extent that have so much influence, right? We talked about the revolution next week. So I think there will be innovation and something is gonna catch for reasons that we can't really foresee. But coming back, I really think that asynchronous sort of messaging and establishing infrastructure for that because the Apache web servers became kind of like fax machines, right? They had this network effect. There was no point in having a browser until you had a lot of uh, servers running.
1: So so I just had a thought. It's, it's an old one, which is that um... And it goes back to the intention economy. We in the in the Project VRM world, which is at that time a few dozen people, probably is still just a few dozen people. We came up with this term fourth parties. And the idea behind a fourth party is it's a third party, but it works for us. Most of the third parties that we run into are actually on the vendor side. They're on the big company side. They're on the server side. They're accessories to whatever service that we're taking advantage of. They're not working for us. You know, I mean, one example that we've been working on lately, at least in conversation, is I want a fourth party to take care of all my subscriptions, all of them, all of the gaming within a subscription. I want to know when they expire. I want to know what new, you know, what their current offer is there. I want to know the difference between having been a customer a long time and having some privileges there and versus coming on as a new customer every time. I want to be able to manage to, to budget this. You know, we're all like overcome with subscriptions now. I want a fourth party that that's working for me on this. It seems to me that's a space. So if we look at that, like let's say instead of looking at silos, we look at rooms. Here is a building with infinite infinite variety of rooms. There's a room over there. It's empty right now. There there there's a couple little wannabe fourth parties there, but there, there are no there's no. There's a missing protocol maybe, or maybe there is a protocol that exists, but nobody's using it. It, Somebody thought it up in an RFP back in RFP 45 back in 1987, but we haven't used it yet. I mean, that's what happened with email. I mean, SMTP came along in like 85, got used in 95, right? There may be a protocol like that, but it's kind of like in the meantime, we go into this big, beautifully furnished room and we can eat our way through the through the buffet table, starting with the dessert, right? And there's infinite food in there and it all seems to be set out. That's Facebook and that's Twitter and that's these other things. And for that matter, it's the world we live in with Apple and with Google. And But over there, there's this big space that actually works for us. What is that? And I do think it has something to do with asynchrony. I think it's like maintaining my subscriptions, for example, there's just one thing. Loyalty programs is another. You know all the the airline miles I belong to and the CVS and all the rest of them. That's another one. There's no universal no no universal services there. There's some really good kind of half-hearted attempts. Or maybe they'll run run only on your phone, but they're all they're all compuserves. They're all prodigies. They're not they're not something that could be universalized that we can make something out of. But they are asynchronous, right? There's a missing slack there what cal henderson and and Stuart butterfield came up with was slack was like looked at this hey we can collaborate in business with what with, 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 what catherine just called you know well decorated irc you know you know whatever that was you know but um yes,
2: but can i ask you a question sure was so let's say you had that fourth party that you're talking about mm-hmm. what's their incentive or, uh to implement it not as a silo Because they could be their own platform where you, you know, log into their site, you manage
1: your things. Well, it's the incentive that that every hosting service got out of Apache, right? I mean, Apache, people made money because of Apache, not with Apache. People make money, you know, because of SMTP and POP3 and IMAP, not with those things. So somebody can imagine out, I mean, okay, I can make money by having a better... Fourth party that runs on these established protocols um, and ceremonies, whatever else they might be, some some familiar UI that that we might have, but the end, you know, runs on gravity, whatever the gravity. I'll find some gravity that didn't that I, nobody noticed before, and I can bring in that gravity or that sunlight or something that's inherently free and open, but we'll build on that rather so than say I'm going to make money with it. I mean, that's the difference between what IBM wanted to do with with Token Ring versus what, what digital um, Intel and whoever else it was, um, Xerox did with Ethernet. Like Ethernet, we've yeah. got the patents, go for it. We're not gonna exercise the patents, do whatever you want with Ethernet and IBM's still trying to sell Token Ring, right? And Ethernet would run on anything, you know, whereas Token Ring needed IBM special cabling.
2: I think that's a very good analogy actually, and similar to the Apache web server. Yeah. So from an economic point of view, you need to have that technology that enables, that creates a low barrier to entry to these four parties. Yeah. So now everybody can be a publisher. It's very cheap to put a lamp stack and run your own website. Right. Exactly. And, and what happens the in the long Ethernet, run is the, Yeah. that is the same. So we need this kind of technology or set of technologies that that allows anybody to become this kind of fourth party at a reasonable cost.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, it's a perfect example. So, so Petros, actually, my, my website, would you help me reset up? It was on a Red Hat server at Rackspace in a physical rack that I leased, you know, for Actually, for nothing. But then they started charging me, and I moved it off. You know, the server was—I had an IP address on a in my house in Sam, in in, uh, in in Woodside. Moved from there to a, a RackSpace server, and then Petros helped me move it to one-on-one, which is, you know, somebody who's probably on Apache. I'm sure it's on Apache, isn't it, Petros?
3: Yes. Yeah. Yes. It, it's it's Apache.
1: Yeah. So, so that made, but it made possible one on one, and and that's and, and and Rackspace and all everybody's in the hosting business. They're using Apache, but you can also use um, uh, what's whatever Microsoft's thing is called. It's pretty big, but I forget the name of it. But anyway, um,
3: IIS or IIS, yeah, yeah. Uh,
1: yeah, you can use IIS or you can use use Apache. I mean, Apache at this point, according to Netsk, uh is actually you know it isn't the majority. Web server anymore. It doesn't matter. You know, I mean, it, everybody's using the protocols. I mean, the proto- the protocols make it possible. So, you know, and they're probably submitted things in addition to protocols there. You know, I mean, I can, uh, Catherine, we could put a Drupal server in, on a number of different things, can't we? I, I suppose.
0: Yeah. And there, yes. Yes. Drupal can be used for many, many things. Um, yes.
1: And run on a lot of things. So, I mean, so, yeah. so to me, it's like, I mean, what you, what, what you're pointing toward, I think hadrian is is the fourth party space that nobody's built out yet based on gravity that we haven't pulled out of the woodwork yet, but probably I suspect might even exist there may but even be it's,
2: it's an economic problem right we have to do it create low uh barrier to entry basically allow anybody to become a fourth party like this at a low cost, and it should allow you to be able to move from uh you know, your basement to uh, rec space to the cloud. Yeah. So they yeah. Th- these services should be interchangeable, if you want.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, you do want interchangeable or substitutable services, but I mean, obviously you need economic incentives because somebody has to imagine a business, right? Somebody has to say, wait a minute, there's a business here. You know, I mean, that's, in a way, Dries did that with Acquia, right? He invents Drupal for his own convenience, and then imagines up a company that could lead in the Drupal space. Am I wrong? I mean, no,
0: that sounds about right. That's pretty much
1: it. The business
2: is there, I think. You just mentioned a few use cases, and at IIW there were quite a few use cases. Some of them quite credible.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, Matt Mullenweg did that with. uh, with WordPress. I WordPress, mean, it, yes. WordPress is laying around as open source code, right? It just was there. It was basically a knockoff of a closed source one, uh, um, movable type. Okay, pretty much knocked off movable type, as I recall. Maybe some listener or, or uh, will disagree with me about that It's a Doc, you're just <laughs> so full of crap, but that's great. <laughs> We want that. But um, can
0: it power an insulin pump? Oh, sorry.
1: Yeah, <laughs> sorry. That was a Drupal story,
0: a real life, like cool thing. Oh, really? Drupal. Yeah, there was there was a wearable um, device that interpreted and in, you know, anyway, conveyed sorry. information and and it was connected to an insulin pump. It was in a, one of Dries' keynotes a few years ago, I think, at DrupalCon. It was interesting. I'll link to it.
2: So use cases, doc. You got me thinking of uh, that fourth party HIE of one operator.
1: Yeah. H I E of one is Adrian Gropper's. Adrian is another guy <laughs> born in Romania, but uh, he's yeah, in our those and, right, and right. And he's he's missing the H, I guess. <laughs> but um, he is the H I E of one, which is a a, a health. Oh, what is? What are the other two words? H I E of one. Yeah, but the? What are the I-N-E-A? Oh gosh, I I I. I That's myself. he
2: put the H. He moved it to H I E, right? Because if he left it just I E, people would have thought it's Internet Explorer.
1: Yeah. Uh, Just I, I, anyway, but but the whole idea is that you 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 have you could be your own operator of your own health provision. It's basically it's it's a way to uh, to work within the existing uh, the one problem of growing is up, You yeah.
2: need a browser there. You need the doctors to have the single window, the browser that sees any HIE of one system.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You see what I'm. St- yeah,
2: and and the uh, so, so I think we talked about this. Uh, I was making the case that hospitals don't really need EMRs or EHRs.
1: Okay, so well, EMRs not are, not are, doctors again. Okay, EMR is uh, um, electronic medical electronic well, medical health records, health records yeah. or, or electronic health record is a, EHR. E- EHR okay. the same thing, yeah. kind of. And, and and the idea yeah, there's been an effort for a very long time for to sort of universalize the infinite number of fields in a in a record for an individual patient that, to reconcile those so that everybody can understand everybody else's health records and nobody's made it work yet. That's nonsense. Okay. So in my opinion. Okay.
2: And I was a member at OSERA, so I was involved in the field. Yeah. Because the fields are dictated by the profession. You cannot put any kind of fields in an EMR, right? Okay, yeah. So if, you, if you're a urologist or a, a surgeon, you know very well what taxonomy you're dealing with, what information you expect from the patient or don't expect from a patient.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And that's really what should be in the medical records. When so psychiatry gets a bit fuzzy but
1: yeah
0: well i think i think now, we've um, established that electronic records are are not in fact necessary in hospitals after the uh, recent hospital ransomware oh attacks oh my gosh yeah as i we're, can't as remember we're where the hospital this. is we were just talking about it um, in actually, upstate new york slack.
1: of all out of the way places and one of America's Siberias, and I don't mean that in a negative way, but I, I I do mean it in a way that it is snowbound in the winter up there in Gouverneur and Potsdam, New York. A beautiful area up up near the Thousand Islands, but it's why there, you know. But they they, they had a ransomware attack. Um, yeah. But you're right. I mean, I mean, to, to well, have the those, point being so, is that
0: since these hospitals have just the, the affected hospitals have just ceased to use any any electronic records they're paper only and that's their way of dealing with it at least temporarily so i mean if it and they see in i read in a wired article which again i will link to and they seem to be functioning at least although as a result of a ransomware attack and i can't remember where off the top of my head a woman died i think it was in germany a woman died because you know this attack had you know collapsed uh, the information exchange of, of this specific hospital so you so, know there are real consequences to to relying on this stuff and so and that's why certain hospitals have taken the drastic me- measure of, of just Ending, ending electronic records. You know, for now, going to. Well,
2: paper. I'm not sure. So, coming back, when I said nonsense, I was a bit uh, facetious. Obviously, all the fields that you're talking about, the extra things, do not come actually from providers. They know their uh, job very well. It comes from the bureaucracy. From the office of the cfo collecting data and yes there is no limit and they put it in the same database with the medical records but the right. medical records yeah. per se they are pretty standard i mean everything is diagnosis you know icd-9 SNOMED, everything is uh is standardized right all the other fields are not really related to the medical part mm-hmm. of the of the records so when people say that they are actually having two separate conversations in one. And another thing after talking to you a few weeks ago, I was thinking, or maybe at IRW, somebody made a, a case for businesses not storing our data, but that's not really possible, right? Because uh, I wanted to give the analogy with a, with a marriage. I want to have information about my boyfriend, girlfriend, right? And I want to keep it in my memory. Do you see what I'm saying? So you cannot Mm -hmm. stop companies from collecting data and keeping that data in their memory. That's really their right, if you want. The problem is that the way technology is evolved, it infringes on our ability to have the same ability to uh, keep Mm -hmm. records or a memory of uh, our experiences. See what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. So a a couple of things there. One is that I was... When I went into the, um, when I started working at, uh, at the Berkman Center at Harvard, I, I got into their healthcare system. And I went out of my way because of, I was not young and I had a long record of, of health things. And so I, I brought in a printout of all this stuff here, you'd be interested in this. And I gave it to the doctor they'd assigned me. She sets it aside and said, no, I, have, I need to take this verbally. I need it from you. I need you to tell me this and I will take the notes and then later I will type them into my system here and then it will be printed out and we can fax that. And that's, that will be your record. And that was, that was bizarre. Um, So I just, I just wanted to kind of share that. Another one was that I had uh, speaking to your point about the specialties and the bureaucracy. I have a, what I will call, for the sake of simplicity, congenital, uh, un, unpronounceable, unmemorizable, obscure health audit, I mean, a, a blood oddity. And I'm telling this to my hematologist. He said, well, I don't know what that is yet. And he's like the top guy in his field and he's at Harvard, he teaches there. And, and he said, look, you gotta understand, there are over a hundred thousand hematological conditions. This one, when he looks it up, no, nobody knew what it was before 1990, right? And one of the first times it was isolated was with me and my sister, right? And it's not like a life-threatening thing. It's like, that's interesting. That mutation occurs on this, on this part of your genome. Okay, that's cool but the world is full of those things where the easiest way to deal with them is actually in the vernacular. It's not in the formal, right? It's, and you translate the vernacular to the formal, but I want to go to a place with this, with the fourth party idea, which is I just thought of a fourth party possibility that might put Adrian into business with his H A of one, which is that there's this class of doctors now called uh, concierge providers, right? It, it's a one-off, you want to, You left the hospital system, you've left your teaching job, you're, you don't wanna be in the bureaucracy and you and your buddies have created a concierge service and the patient will pay an extra $10,000 a year or something in order to get handheld service from you. On the back end of that is where the fourth party goes, is to supply the concierge business. All those one-off concierge businesses out there could sure use some normalization, couldn't they? That normal is just in a way like all the everybody doing a one off works on Apache web server. Wait a minute, you know, we can normalize this in a number of additional ways, right? And in a way that you could just add on patches or you can add on, I mean, a lot of stuff run on Apache, right? So I can add things to that. But it occurs to me that might be where to go. There may that may be the financial incentive
0: so everyone thanks for joining us
1: nice meeting you Hadrian thank you so much for having me it was fun
2: more than